this is Dell on Earth from Evidence-Based Eating, and I took a left at the valley. I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud of being an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed. I'm an Coming at you from Weather Changing BC, this is Left of the Valley. My name is Kevin, and I tell you that porn gives you an unrealistic idea of how quickly a plumber will be at your house. <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team that really needs to be taken out on a date or by a sniper, either way. I'll take the date, thank you. <laughs> she said she was tired from all that CrossFit. I told her it's pronounced croissant, and she ate seven of them. Nancy. <laughs> Oh, it's good to find out the reason why. <laughs> and she said the first rule of passive-aggressive is, you know what, never mind, it's fine. <laughs> How did you know I was a passive-aggressive human being? Just a guess. Uh-huh. Ladies, welcome back. <laughs> so we're going to have a great show today. We'll be talking to uh, Miriam Henine. Uh, I hope we got this right. And we'll be talking about the vanishing of the bees, but that's in the second half of the show. But first, let's do our usual chit-chat. All right. Um, did you guys hear that um, in Edmonton, there's an LGBTQ-friendly gym? Really? Yeah, it's called Queer Flex. Oh, that's adorable. I it love is. that. But they had to temporarily close it down. <gasps> because they were, they've been threatened online from far-right uh, conservative groups. You fuckers. Yes. The Edmonton police are actually investigating. And uh, they're also uh, uh, the investigating this guy called uh, Ryan Dean. He's a member of the Wolves of Odin and Canadian Infidels. Uh, Dean accuses Queerflex to be an Antifa training facility. What? <laughs> yes. He <laughs> says they're training the queer to become Antifa members or something like that. Holy smokes. Talk about losing oh. your marbles. Although I love the I love the name Queerflex. Yeah. Lots of rainbows on the walls. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's why the right is out of control. They're scared of us. There's a conspiracy theory for everything. Absolutely. No one is immune anymore. And anymore. Did you guys hear that there's an Australian scientist that has proven that corpses move around significantly more than we we thought? The zombies are coming. Uh, uh, Just almost uh, until like a year after death. Really? You mean yeah. like the expression wow. so-and-so would turn over in their grave? Almost actually, literally. Okay, gotcha. So, so the, what they did is they, they have like a body farm in Australia, right? Like a lot of places do. And they took photographs of this corpse for 17 months, one picture a day. Mm-hmm. And they found out that uh, one, one, one case where the arms were to the side of the corpse, the, uh, the, un, the arms ended up being flung out into the side. Yeah, so this, of course, uh, the findings were published in Forensic Science International, and it also has significant impacts on forensics. Well, what could yeah. cause that? A well, because when the, the, when the muscle decomposes, it'll shrink. Oh, oh yeah, right. Or right, ex- right. Ex- yeah. the elasticity gotcha. or whatever. Oh, okay, so also, okay. it moves, the body kind of moves. Okay. And, of course, if you find a body at several, like quite a while after the death of the person, it's a suspicious death. The position the body's in might not be the original position the body died in. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. That so could make some big difference. It could make yeah. a huge difference, especially in legal cases, right? So we'll have to keep an eye on that for sure. Interesting. And on the only in Canada file, 
In Port Moody, which is right next door to here, yeah. uh, the residents uh, found a, they heard a car alarm going off uh, early Friday morning, and police investigated, they found the culprit in the car, a bear. <laughs> the, cre- the creature had managed to open the car door and locked itself inside it and set off the alarm. Only in Canada do you see a bear getting locked in a yeah. car. They, they set off the alarm at the 20, uh, 2012 Nissan Rogue. Um, <laughs> there was no food inside the car, so the bear was released back into the wild without incident. Thank goodness. <laughs> but the car, the interior, the ca- yeah, the of, interior the car, of the car is kind of damaged there. Oh. But it's imagine the guy hearing the car alarm. You walk up to your car, realizes a bear inside your car. <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> you, you you take a picture. Yeah, yeah this, and he did. I'm sure he did. And, and call the cops. Yeah, <laughs> you do that. Conservation agents. <laughs> oh, so. God, that poor bear! <laughs> you know, it sure must have been panicked. You know, he couldn't get out. It was so easy, easy to get. Next time, we'll go in the garage and get the keys. They have a lot of footage of bears coming in and finding ways yeah. to actually open the door, especially yeah. if the car's on bears the Bears are smart. Yeah, bears are smart. They are. And they get into the car and <laughs> he locked himself in the car. We had a bear find a way to open the door. We had a thing. bear get on the barn roof. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. Of all the things. And uh, last but not least, there's a new report in Forbes that says that oil will need to be 10 to $20 a barrel Ugh. in order to remain competitive with electric cars. Hmm. What, what that means, essentially, is that uh, the electric vehicle is outpacing the gasoline yes. and diesel car. And the economic argument saying that uh, it's not feasible, no longer exists. The electric car is the way of the future, whichever way you look at it or not. The yeah, author of the report is a Mark Lewis. He says that renewable has a short-run cost of $0. It's cleaner for the environment and easier to transport and could replace up to 40% of global oil demand. Wow. So if we were to create the infrastructure of our roads right now from scratch, we would actually have to create it in mind with the electric car and not the gasoline engine. So, like, one thing I noticed on that noise, like, here, you see a lot of electric cars. Like, you yes. see a shit ton of Teslas around of, yes. here in Abbotsford, particularly. But, like, even all of the other, like, Nissan and Toyota and, like, Ford, mm-hmm. they've got a... There's a ton of electric cars out there. But there's when I coming. was when I was in Alberta, one thing I noticed there is, like, you don't see them as often. I saw one Tesla in my entire 12 days there. Yeah, well... Because and You're I an think oil country there. Well, yeah, that too, and I think also part of it is like, as as the saying goes, you don't measure travel in Alberta by distance; you measure it in time. Because you go, <laughs> you will go like long span, like spans of time, and see nothing but farmland. <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, well, I was reading that the electric car may be. Um, not on its last leg, certainly, but in transition where you, we really don't know how whether they are a, a, the car of the future or there's something that's going to replace them too. Well, the only thing I could see replacing the electric car would be uh, mass transit. Uh, and all of a sudden, if we move, go to a, a place where the uh, we're living, you know, like back in the old days where you had like cars and, and uh, not cars, but I mean uh, tramways and all the, these kind of rail cars and the city, people never had a car in the city. Back before the war, before the Great Wars, you know, people used to just move around by bus all the time or walking. I could see that happen. But if we, we, we really do have a bit of a love affair with cars. And it seems right now that it's pointing out that the, the car, the gasoline, the diesel cars are on their way out. They really are. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the arguments that, oh, we don't have the infrastructure, or the arguments that, oh, it, it, we can't do this, uh, it doesn't last as long, and blah, blah, blah. 
uh, or it's or more cost efficient to have a gasoline car. These are all arguments that have fallen by the wayside by now. Yeah. So this really is the future. It's coming that the electric car is the way. It's just yeah. going to be the way. Well, you know, from what we know now, that, that seems plausible. But, you know, it's like going back to to the horses and wagons when yeah. they really couldn't couldn't visualize the gasoline engine and now we're at so I, th- I think mm-hmm. it's per- it's logical it's exactly like that, that. that yeah. we're in in a transition but it's it's hard to know how long this transition is going to last if, if you look it up if yeah. you look it up they actually have ads from that era saying yeah. you know why would you buy a car when you have the reliable horse and carriage cars are yeah. you know cars are blah blah they're they're smoky they're noisy have a nice relaxing exactly. ride in the country with you your ever horse. ever ridden a yeah. horse? Well, <laughs> yeah, but in the carriage, it's not as bad, I guess. Yeah. But none, nonetheless, they had, you know, this is an industry that's going to try to stay afloat. And, yeah. you know, and and the, the new industry is coming in and they're bound to disappear, right? I, right here on the local level, you have something very similar with the, the taxi companies, for example. They don't oh, want to let wow. Uber come in, yeah. right? You know, because, you know, they're trying to protect their industry. Mm-hmm. Now, Vancouver, for our American listeners that might not know, is actually probably the only city in the world, the only big city in the world that actually does not have Uber. You know, and by law, because they don't want to let them in, because the the, the taxi lobby is so powerful that you've actually lobbied the government to try to stay in in, in a position of power as long as possible. Mm-hmm. But that's that's coming to an end as well. And so, you know, progress is happening, and there's only only so much yeah. you can stop the... The, the tide of progress. And another thing with the electric cars, it's just it's not just cars and that either, because Tesla is also working on a semi as well. Yes, uh, the electric semi. They've actually they've actually yeah. done some tests. They've actually done some tests and to completely autonomous sem- uh, semis or uh, semis uh, where they've picked up a load and they've done a two hundred mile trip from point A to point B with a load. There's a driver in the cabin just in case the robot kind of craps out, but the robot did all the driving and everything by itself. Mm. from point A to point B. So, And that is going to happen a lot faster than we think because of businesses. Instead of having a human driver, you know, where he's got to go to sleep at some point, he's got to stop and eat, he's got to stop to take a crap or whatever. You know, you, if you have a robot, they don't have to stop for anything but fuel. But, you know, I feel so much better that there was a human being there just to get the backup. I, I understand that. Yeah. yeah I understand I, that. But yeah. if we, we get to a point where the technology basically proves that, you know, it's safer to actually have robots driving on the road than humans because oh, yeah, of human Oh, yeah, when they're error. proven. But at this point, I just think it's it's good to have the, it, the backup. It's going to be difficult for us to release the control, I think, Yeah. of, yeah. of the fact that we drive our transportation. I like to drive. I like to be in control of the car. Mm-hmm. And even just as a passenger, I'm nowhere near as comfortable than what I am driving. So to imagine all of a sudden to just release all that to a computer on board the vehicle, it's going to be difficult for a lot of people, oh, yeah. probably including myself. But, yeah. you know, that's the future. And there go a lot of jobs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. Okay, my dear Nancy, you got a top 10 for us by any chance? I sure do. Fantastic. Let me grab it here. Um, this is going to be a, a shortened one. A lot of times we have one that has a lot of... Um, explanation and conversation uh this will have more more conversation than explanation but it's fun she just doesn't feel like explaining herself today i don't need to explain myself to you this is the top 10 take it you youngin the top 10 sports movies some of us like sports movies more than others um but i thought it was really interesting you know on how they're ranked and whether or not the ranking has to do with your favorites or Mm. no you would have put this one above that one so we'll start with number 10 and then if anybody's interested in one that didn't make it to the top 10 we'll see 
um, where it did fall along okay. the line. So number 10, according to this list, is the longest yard. Oh, yes. Uh, and one of the best thing about, um, it, it's just kind of an obvious obvious one. Has anybody ever seen the I longest yard? I have not yard? seen it. Well, they made it. They remade the longest yard as well. So there's yeah. like the older version, and then there's a newer one with uh, was it Adam Sandler that played in the newest? Yeah, wasn't it about the Dallas? Uh, it was about one of the teams too, wasn't it? But I can't remember. It was a football thing. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, number nine, the Hustler. The Hustler. Fabulous. That was with Paul Newman. I and, don't think um, I've seen that. As the young kid coming up and had to do with um, um, billiards. And, and everything that went into, you know, trying to maintain the number one spot. And didn't didn't you used to date Paul Newman? Um, boy, I wish I had. <laughs> but, you know, what, but uh, what's her name? His wife kept, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't she, give her. So she wouldn't jealous. give him a note. She wouldn't share him. To date, which was, I know, so selfish yeah, of her. Yeah, unfortunate. Um, number eight, um, this is, maybe people don't think about it as much as a sports, as a comedy, but Caddyshack. Oh, of course, eight. of course, that's a classic. They said it was, pre- pre- according to the list, it was probably the funniest sports movie ever made. Probably, and yes. it still ranks as one of the most quotable. Oh, yes. Okay, number seven. This is my, my all-time favorite, Field of Dreams. Oh, okay. oh that just had everything. I, Kevin you know, Costner. I, I'm going to be super honest. I did not like that movie. You weren't a fan. No, I was. Well, first of all, I I'm not a fan of baseball to begin with. Oh, okay. Right. So right off the bat, like, and I just couldn't buy this whole Bill and they will come thing. It was just like, ah, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's just I no, I just never could got into the movie at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not saying I love James Earl Jones. I love Kevin oh, Costner. Yeah. Is, is a good actor too. He's got his moments, of course, but uh, whatever. But I just I don't know. I just couldn't buy the movie at all. Well, it was an emotional. It was more emotional in a lot yeah. of ways than it was sports. You know, it was. And your based dad comes back sports, as a ghost as a baseball player. It was a metaphor yeah, no. in a lot of ways, but that's okay. You know, it didn't make it to number one. It was still down number seven, number six, The Natural. The Natural. The Natural was another baseball um, film with. Uh, oh, uh, if you think of Paul Newman, then you think of who's the who was who was with Paul Newman in in. Um, the, Oh, oh the, with yeah. Paul Newman? Who's... Um, who, oh, all of it, that awful? I mean, I'm really having a terrible You're not time. You're talking about the, the yeah. Rat Pack Yeah, now he's making, that. he makes films, the Sundance, the Sundance Film Festival. Oh, uh, Redford. There you go. Robert Redford. Robert Redford. Yeah, Robert Redford was in there a lot. And I think it was during the, was it the 30s or the 20s, at the, the time period? Mm-hmm. It was, but it was supposed to be pretty authentic in a lot of different ways. Career, love the girl, got away, turns up again, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. Slapshot, number five. Oh, that's a Another Paul that's Newman. A, that's, a, that's a classic there. Every Canadian has seen that movie, I'm pretty sure. Sort of a goofball sports movie. Oh, except for you, of course, because you, <laughs> yeah. you're like barely 20 years old. You don't know anything. Yeah. I'm 23, thank you. Yeah, okay. okay. Number four is a salute to the underdog, Hoosiers. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Do you like that one? Uh, God, so far behind, I can barely remember that that's movie. A but that's a basketball I mean, it was, one, Yeah, that was way back. It that's way back, when all the basketball players were white. And talk about an oldie. <laughs> here's here's a real oldie. And I'd, I'd be surprised if anybody here has even seen it, unless you, you go into vintage Raging Bull. 
Oh my god! Of course, yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Uh, there's a the cinematography in that movie is just fantastic. I mean, yeah. some of the shots, you know, when he's getting punched and it's coming right at you, it's black and white and flashes of light and everything. It's just wow. Yeah. It's really. It was a classic. It's a classic. It's, it's a almost classic. a masterpiece for sure. Yeah. Number two, Rocky. Rocky, yeah, yeah, okay. Rocky Balboa, who couldn't, you know, I that was one of the few sports movies that I really liked. The story, it was so strong. This, I mean, the characters that were in there and the, the story. The real story behind Rocky is even more fascinating. Sylvester Stallone at the time was broke when he wrote that. Yeah. And they offered him, I think they offered him like half a million dollars for the rights to the movie. Yeah. He said no because yeah. he wanted to star in it. And it almost came to the point. He had to give up his dog at some point. He was, like, sleeping in his car. And he came, like, yeah. really, really close to just giving up the rights to Rocky. But he held on, stubbornly held on, and all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. There yes. he is. Yeah. To, you know, to say, no, this is mine. It's going to stay mine. Yeah. What a fabulous decision. It was a great movie. It really, Absolutely. I mean, you can, you, you know, the minute you say Rocky, immediately you see all the stairs and him yeah. going up. <laughs> in Philadelphia, you know, and the statue. Philadelphia. And, yeah. yeah, it was great. So anybody want to guess what number one is? Oh, God. Okay. There's a lot of movies, but it's, my favorite is not in there. But it's one of my favorite. But uh, we got boxing movies there. You got Raging yeah. Bull. You got Rocky. One of my favorite boxing movies is uh, Cinderella Man. Oh yeah, I'll I'll see where that one is. I'll see if it's on there. Anyway, we'll we'll do number one, and I'll see where Cinderella Man. Okay. Number one is Bull Durham. Oh okay, yeah. Fair yeah. enough. You think that? Do you think there was enough there to merit number one? Uh. Oh, sure. I mean, it's it's known as a classic, so. Although yeah. I, I think I would have put uh, Raging Bull there first. Yeah. Before, before Bull oh, Anyway. Yeah, no, Cinderella Man isn't isn't on this. The other ones that didn't make it, and since this was fairly short, I'll tell you the other ones and maybe some of your favorites. Sure. Uh, came North Dallas, Jerry Maguire, Hoop Dreams, Breaking Away, White Men Can't Jump, The Bad News Bears, Chariots of Fire, Brian's Song, Eight Men Out, and When We Were Kings. Wow. That. Chariots of Fire was a great movie. Yeah. Too. Any, anybody's favorites in the the list down to twenty? I don't think I have seen Rudy? any of those. Rudy wasn't in there. Rudy's no, a classic. No, Rudy wasn't in there. No. One of my favorites was never made the list, and that was A League of Their Own. Yes. Yes, really that's a very loved. good movie yeah. too. That's yeah. a really good movie. A League yeah. of Their Own. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's an oversight. Absolutely. Uh, Tom Hanks was just fantastic in that yeah. <laughs> as the coach. No, I loved um, just a personal, personal. The reason I really liked the League of Her Own, my my father passed away, and um, my my daughter and my cousin and I went to the movies, and we went to see a, a League of Their Own, and it was a it was a choice that. That that really helped all of us in a way because my father was such a fan of women's softball. He used to was take he? me. Yeah, he used to take me to the women's softball. Really? And we we're all watching the League of Their Own, which is so funny with Tom Hanks and everybody. Oh. There's no crying in yeah, baseball. I know. And, and here we were, tears. You know, thinking because the movie was so good and it was such a good tribute to my dad that that Rosie just, O'Donnell, yeah, Gina Davis. Favorite. That's the one I was Gina looking for. Davis. Gina, Gina Davis. Yeah. I love Gina Davis. Yeah. I mean, she, she I think she had a short career, and it's a shame. I thought she was a fantastic, yeah. fantastic actress. Yeah, it was a just a wonderful movie all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. so kind of a short but fun one. Short but fun list. Yep. Fantastic. Yep. Well, thank you so much, Nancy, <coughs> my dear Kirsten. You have another brilliant moment for us. Yes, I do. Brought to you by religion. Alrighty, so self-described devoted Christian Milton Wainwright 
says he was doing God's work when he used a chainsaw to lop off the phallus of a Maori carving on New Zealand's Manawatu Gorge Reserve walking track. Oh, so he gave an impromptu circumcision to a statue. I think it was a little more than a circumcision. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Because he's he's doing the Lord's work. Why why is is the Christian God so anti-penis? I don't know. I have a few thoughts on this on this afterwards. Uh, uh, you do. <laughs> Talk about penis. She's right there. <laughs> Wainwright, a local museum owner, had been a volunteer caretaker on the past for many years. He claims that he decided to deface the statue after he complained that its depiction of the penis was obscene and immoral. Uh, he had seen children playing near the statue, even touching the phallus, and he has explained that he believed the frank depiction of genitalia promoted sex for pleasure. You know, that's code for, uh, I think that the statue's got a bigger one than mine. Yeah, that was my first thought. <laughs> my second thought is, they're children, they're gonna touch the dick. I'm pretty sure when I was a child, that's something that we would have done. I'm pretty sure... That was something that was reserved for Father Ma- Mallory. Or something. I'm pretty sure <laughs> if O'Malley. me and my friend saw a statue with a dick on it, we'd probably go and take pictures with it. <laughs> Because, you know, we're immature children at heart. Exactly. And, I still uh, do it today. I'm sorry. Sex for pleasure is not a bad thing as long as it's done safely. That's correct. So did he remove his as well after? With a chainsaw? Yeah. No, but he deserves that. Maybe oh. he took it and added it on. <laughs> There's a thought. Uh, his complaints were ignored completely by everyone except for Tararua Mayor Tracy Collis who explicitly told him to leave the statue alone. (laughs) Wainwright has since been fined and sentenced by New Zealand court, but he continues to maintain that he had God's approval for the statue's defacement. Of course he had God's approval. Of course. Just like the the Muslims that break down the statues of the Buddhist statues, they also have Allah's approval. They always have the approval. He's insisting. I'm not exactly sure how they get that approval. but I don't see how it can be wrong to make an indecent thing so decent. He who doesn't stand for something will fall for anything. I stood for decency in public places. Well, if God thought they were indecent, he wouldn't have put them on in the first place, right? I agree. And this is a great opportunity for the chainsaw manufacturer. Uh, Our chainsaws are solid enough to cut off the penis of gods. (laughs) That's how good our chainsaws are, man. There you go. (laughs) The carving, created by a local artist, Craig Kawana, was part of a permanent installation called Tehonoga... Muanga installed to introduce visitors to a full history of Maori and European culture in the area, according to Mayor Collis, who was present at the installation's opening last December. Kuana says he deliberately minimized the appearance of the phallus as a concession to the sensibilities of non-Maori visitors, making it smaller and less prominent than is traditional. (laughs) The original carvings, which were frequently defaced by Christian missionaries, uh, featured prominent depictions of both phalluses and vulvas. Christianity has a long, long history of doing that. There's, there's even one of the popes that defaced all the statues within the Vatican of all the the, the male statues. You know, the, yeah, essentially naked, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had to replace them with like little the leaves. leaves because he took the hammer chisel to each one of them. It's like there's a long, long history. What is it with Christianity's obsession? With sexual genitalia. They're just I know. obsessed. In the, in the uh, elementary school where I was a speech pathologist for a long time, the librarians had some art books, and they carefully went through every art book and put 
black tape over any genitalia. Oh, good Lord. So I'm sure no. the kid's first, you know, exposure, it was, where's your black tape, Daddy? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like, and, and the funny thing is, is when you do something like that, and the kid picks up the book, and they see the piece of black tape, what do you think they do? They want to pull it off. They pull it away, or and they try goes, to, right? And, and there goes the whole page. Yeah, you, you, you just made the things ten times more alluring yeah. and appealing. If you had yeah. just left the picture, the kid would have probably just flickered right exactly. down. Exactly. It's like, you're just making things worse. When are people going to realize that adults care more than children do about things like that? They, no, I, yeah, like, exactly. The kid doesn't care. Uh-uh. Kid really doesn't care. No, they only care in terms of, oh, you got that and I don't. Yeah. That's, that's, that's about it. And then you have to explain, and the parents don't really want to explain to little kids, so... Cut it all off. Yeah, yeah I mean, you, once... know, you give a kid a two-line explanation on anything, and then the, the third question is, oh, great, can I have an Oreo cookie now? That's, right? That's really what it's like, yeah. you know? It's like, okay, cool, that's fine. Moving on. Yeah, exactly. How come Uncle Bob is kissing that man? Well, because they're in love, just like, you know, Mommy and Daddy in love. Oh, great, can I have a cookie now? Right. That's, that's, that's how yeah. it boils down to. That's all it there does. is. You don't need to go through the entire explanation of genetics and whatever and sexual orientation. It's a five-year-old kid. All they want is a one-word answer to their question. That's you, all they yeah. want. You should see the looks when Christina and I nap on the couch at a family gathering. No. <laughs> is the family gathering that boring? Sometimes yeah. <laughs> nap on the couch. <laughs> oh my goodness! Some people there. Oh uh, well, thank you so much, Kirsten. So You're let's take welcome. a quick pause, and when we come back, we'll be talking to Miriam about the vanishing of the bees. Oh, looking forward to that. That's going to be very interesting, I'm sure. So mm-hmm. you just stay with us. I'm Amy with a Y. And I'm Amy with an I. And we're the hosts of Secular Soup, where each week we offer up a bowl of real talk about atheism, feminism, politics, parenting, and whatever else we want to talk about because it's our podcast. Just listen to what these random dudes are saying about our show. This is what would happen if Daria and Jane grew up and started a podcast. So if you like extremely foul-mouthed ladies with opinions, this is the podcast for you. Grab a bowl and taste the magic. Slurp even this. If your skepticism is socially conscious and doesn't take itself too seriously, you might like life, the universe, and everything else. People like Ray Comfort are fond of saying, what use is half a wing, right? Have you ever seen a f***ing penguin? (laughs) Life, the universe, and everything else. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else. I don't know, Zoom? Is that still a thing? hasn't yet been a properly written apology for that disgrace. Staying in Africa, I think it will one day be admitted with shame that it might have been in error to say that AIDS is bad as a disease, very bad, but not quite as bad as condoms are bad, or not as immoral in the same way. This is 
been the producer and director of The Vanishing of the Bees. She's an investigative journalist and bee expert all around. She's a snappy dresser and snazzy dancer. Ma'am, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us at Left of the Valley. Thank you, Kevin. Yes, I'm also a dancer. Yes, oh. That's part of all our things. Yes. <laughs> well, welcome. We've been waiting a long time to have you on. So we're yes. Thank you. Here. We're going to be thank talking you. bees. We're going to be doing all the buzz about it. But first, maybe you'd be so kind to give us a quick bio for our listeners as to who you are and what you've been up to. Yes, I am uh, hailing from Montreal, Canada, living in Los Angeles at the moment, although I'm a digital nomad. I I am an investigative journalist by degree. I'm also a functional medicine consultant. I'm in school for functional medicine coaching at the moment. Mm -hmm. I am an entrepreneur, and I have a health and wellness site that's aimed at empowering people to be their own best health advocate called honeycolony.com, and as you mentioned I am director producer of the film Vanishing of the Bees, narrated by another Canadian, Ellen Page. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, the bees have been going into the news cycles in and out for quite a while now. And the, uh, we were talking a bit earlier that even the UN has actually declared the bee as the most important species on the planet as we speak. But they are in trouble, and they've been in trouble for quite a while. So give us a lowdown on what's been going on in the whole the whole buzz about the bee world. <laughs> Yes, so it's been about a decade since the film came out or since we started. So it's been a 10-year anniversary. Mm -hmm. It kind of coincided with the 50th anniversary of Rachel Carson's Silent Spring. And if we look at in America today, we can argue that the Environmental Protection Agency is kind of defunct under Trump (laughs) or has reversed a lot of things that Obama put in motion without getting into politics. Mm -hmm. So these systemic pesticides, while, and systemic pesticides are systemic in the sense that they become part of the plant and the bees then forage and take the pollen and the nectar back and store it and then it affects the future generations and it impacts their navigational these are nicotine based nicotinoids and like imidacloprid they are still on the market they still make tons of money for Bayer which is now Bayer and Monsanto Mm -hmm. uh, fused the bees continue to die and My message is that we are the bees today that are slowly being exposed to sublethal doses. So when it comes to toxins, you can have an acute exposure of one chemical. Mm -hmm. However, what's really happening is there are, you know, since World War II, 85,000 chemicals, not all systemic pesticides, put into the environment and they synergize within our body. So in the bees, they saw that if you had a systemic pesticide and you added, let's say, a fungicide or an herbicide, that a lot of times it would become a thousand times more toxic. Mm. Mm -hmm. So we're not taking into consideration, let's say, low levels of exposure over a long period of time. So today, if again we're drawing this the the parallel with us being the honeybees detoxing and i'm not talking about a juice cleanse is 
requisite. It, it's 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 necessary today to keep healthy, mm-hmm. um, bolstering the liver and the detoxification pathways. Uh, there are also then we can get into genetic SNPs. We can get into predispositions. Um, that can alter or impair the ability for you to get rid of these toxins depending on your own profile. Mm -hmm. So we are living in a very toxic world, whether we're looking at the air, the soil, the water, the food supply. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I, since the release of the movie, the bees have kind of stuck and I'm in like I'm in service to the bees and all they represent and I I kind of tease and say that all roads can lead to bee. <laughs> yeah. So it was for a while there one of the uh, suspects for the, uh, the 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 reason why the, they had bee collapses and colonies were collapsing well it was suspected it was a mite a mite that was actually attacked the bee like a parasite. Sure. The Varroa mite is the number one enemy for the honeybees. Mm -hmm. But these, to me, is it's like saying, you know, pathogens. We have been around um, pathogens, viruses, um, mites, whether we're looking looking at humans or what what is what is impairing the immune system. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a distraction to blame it on the mite because bees and mites have been interacting for, you know, I'm going to say thousands of years. Um, the mites, you know, now are all over the world, but it's really the immune system. If you have a strong immune system, whether you're a bee or a human, you can fend off what's going on. Mm. Um, yeah. So, 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 that's so what you're, I was you're postulating essentially that the, uh, the the collapse of the bees is essentially due to the toxic in our environment, which is the, uh, attacking their immune system, and which makes them less resistance to things like mites. Well, the, yes, and in specific, the systemic pesticides. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can get into arguing about glyphosate. Um, but let's say that's like on corn and corn is wind pollinated and is not, is not a source of food unless there's nothing else. So all of, and then not only, and then like, like I said, the systemic pesticides coming into contact with the fungicides and the herbicide. What's ironic is because they are nicotine based that if you're given, if there's two fields, the bees now are, are, are addicted to the nicotine. So they actually prefer <laughs> really? The Nick, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. That's, that's, now we have addicted bees. Now, yes, yes. Just to get a little perspective on on your point of view, were you interested in the toxins, and that led you to the bees, or have you always had an interest in the bees, and so that widened the the, the scope of what is happening to them? No, in reality, what happened was that. When I was 29 and I'm 46 now, I was hit by a car and had a near-death experience and uh, was dragged 50 feet, 49 feet, and broke many bones. And I almost, I mean, I almost died. And I wanted to do something to give back, to be in service, which is a completely different paradigm that we live in um, where money is not, you know, propelling you to do stuff. So shortly thereafter, I, I had already produced uh, with 
with the Sierra Club and Robert Greenwald partook in a series uh, called the Sierra Club Chronicles about different things, including the Exxon Valdez oil spill, which I produced. And then I met George Langworthy, the the co-director on the film. We decided to collaborate and he, his friend told him about the bees and that it would be a global, this was like now end of 2006, 2007, mm-hmm. and uh, felt that it would be a global, uh, something that would appeal on a global level. And I agreed. And then I spent a half an hour or an, an afternoon looking at the bees and kind of falling in love with the fact that they're a sister society, that they give back, that they serve the greater good and that really resonated and then literally I started having bees fly into my life Hmm. Uh, as far as the toxins because when we began this five-year journey it was it was a mystery colony collapse disorder was a mystery and um, it it was only during you know maybe yeah, during the process that we realized that they were chemicals because we were speaking to beekeepers, whether it was in Florida or California or France or Germany or England or Italy. I mean, when empirical data for me means a lot, if you have different people around the world that are in the fields coming to the same conclusion. So, As far as this more intense kind of deep dive into the food supply and toxins, ironically, after making the movie, I was in the Dominican Republic at an environmental film festival, and I thought I I, I was living, staying at a condo on the beach. Uh, Prior to the festival, I thought they were using a leaf blower. I went to tell them to shut it off. It was really, they were fumigating between two buildings. And they turned around, the the man turned around, and I got a huge whiff of fumigants. I don't know exactly which chemical, but they were spraying against mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. Came back to to the U.S., and within about a month, um, I couldn't go up a flight of stairs. I was in tremendous pain. I I, I still didn't liken it to the spray uh, right away. I thought it was maybe my thyroid. I was told that I have lupus and fibromyalgia. Mm. And they wanted to give me Cymbalta and SSRI and prednisone, which is commonly given. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. They told me my body was attacking itself, which is a very harmful to label because they're labeling because they don't really know what's going on. I then asked them if they thought that this could be linked to chemical body burden, um, the toxic load. The doctor gave me a blank stare, didn't know what the hell I was talking about. And I went about six years to reverse my condition, which I did by detoxifying on many different levels and using an arsenal of different supplements, including CBD oil, uh, to most importantly reduce the ANA levels, anti-nuclear antibodies, which are often commonly spotted in high amounts with someone like say has has lupus or another autoimmune condition. Mm. And so since then I've interviewed Aaron Brockovich, I've just taken a deep dive. Uh, for instance, I'll just say, let's say uh, there's a chemical called atrazine. Mm-hmm. Atrazine has been shown to modify um, making frogs hermaphrodites. So I had posed recently on a on a food politics mail list 
the possibility that this burgeoning population of transgender people is also is is in my opinion it's very obvious that it's because of the onslaught of endocrine disruptors and estrogen mimickers that we are finding in our environment uh it's not impossible to think that why is there such a population now i had one parent it's it was interesting because this kind of also dovetails into the the atmosphere that we are living in which is quite vitriolic where we're not really having conversations uh, people are just unfriending one another so people slammed me publicly for even posing as a journalist to explore this possibility mm-hmm. privately people commended me so i had one person a father of a transgender child say i take offense that you're telling me that my child is toxic and i'm like honey we're all toxic Mm. We are all all now dealing with toxicity levels. And um, it's part of the reason why one in every two people today has a chronic illness. By the way, that was a study, is a study by the CDC. That study last I checked, which I've referenced many times, has disappeared. Because that's yet another, another thing that information is now disappearing being buried uh people like myself are being shadow banned deranked and censored okay i I, i'm gonna have to push back slightly here uh please push back i know i I can hear my audience going okay we're skeptics my audience are skeptics by nature and they're gonna say okay she's mentioning detox she's mentioning monsanto she's mentioning uh, almost a conspiracy at this point they're going to want to see, okay, what, what, what hard evidence does she actually have that these toxins are actually what are causing the bee collapse? And you mentioned a study that's disappeared, but it, do we... Do no, that study talked about one in every two people. There's okay. hundreds of studies today since the, the, the release of my film by Harvard, Yale. Mm-hmm. Lots of peer-reviewed that show that systemic pesticides are at the core of the bee demise yeah so once you're is that what you're talking yeah, about yeah I, I just i just want to reassure that we're not talking woo here we're not going into the, the world of of of, of realm and and no. anything nebulous like that no whoa, whoa. there's there's actual real peer-reviewed studies that are concluding these uh, these are actually what's happening to the bees these uh, these pesticides absolutely oh excellent excellent um so so and then and so i i guess i guess this is your, your movie came out 10 years ago uh, have you been seeing some progress ever since the release of that movie as to what was happening with the world of the bees? Are, are things getting better for them? Well, you know, you you can say one. There's more. There's more beekeepers than ever. Mm-hmm. Bees are still on the forefront of our consciousness more than ever uh, since you know ten years ago. There, So it depends how you look at it. Let's say in Los Angeles, we worked really hard, a whole coalition of people, people who had watched my movie and then started nonprofits to legalize beekeeping. Mm-hmm. There are more beekeepers or bees rather do better in the city than they do in the countryside, which is also scratch your head, huh? That is that is interesting. Why, why, why would that be? Because there's shitloads of chemicals in the countrysides. Oh. There's all these monocultures. Oh, <laughs> We're okay. constantly spraying our food. You know, this is not only happening in the U.S. or Canada. This is happening all over. Uh, the the amount of toxins in 
like again, since World War II, 85,000 chemicals of all different sorts put into the environment that act together. This is definitely not woo-woo. So there's more awareness, um, but of course things get, you know, people have bee fatigue or I still speak to people every single day that don't even know that bees still today pollinate one in every three bites of the food that we eat. Yes. Uh, which is very sad. I just wanted to reference um, that there is a study that shows that bees have a prever- preference for sugar solutions laced with the pesticides, um, the neonicotinoids that harm the bee population. So because of the because of the pesticides, there was a, a, a study published in the journal Nature. Mm-hmm where they showed that the bees have a preference for sugar solutions that are laced with imidacloprid or other systemic pesticides because they are nicotine-based. Do, do, so, do you have the link handy by any chance? Can you send me that link? I can put it in the post, uh, in the notes of the show. If you, if you have, that'd be great, yeah. Uh, because I think uh, what you're posturing there is... is um, it really condemns what the hell is going on with the bees. I mean, if, if the bees are all of a sudden addicted... Uh, my I guess my next question would be: Would that explain? <laughs> the other day we were talking the other day about how I find bees so lovable because they all, they're almost like clumsy. But you can't. Well, the drones are clumsy. I'm, I don't know so much the worker bees are. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut. No, you No, no, not at all. It's just the other day, like I said, I was at a stoplight and a bee lands in the ho- on the hood of my car, but it doesn't lie like nice and nice landing. It lands and it bounces around a couple of times. It's on its back and <laughs> wiggles itself. Bees. Yeah, bumbling bees, right? And they're, they're just adorable. But at the same time, something crossed my mind was, are these bees intoxicated to a point that they're clumsy? You know, are they, are they like are they like drunk on the, <laughs> on these toxins? Or I would I would need to know what's We'd have one, to examine the one, well, one, a honeybee works herself to death, okay? So she, her lifespan is already just six weeks. Mm. If, um, and and I have seen in, in singularity that a, a bee can come across as, as clumsy, as you say. Mm-hmm. So it really, it really depends on, uh, I'd have to, I'd have to check, you know, the specific bee, uh, drones are, uh, the male drones that, that are men to just, men, uh, just mate with the with. queen. Men, we're just clumsy to begin with, right? Just listen, made it. <laughs> Going back just a second to what Kevin was asking about your link, would the the links on any of your research be on your webpage and readily available? No, uh, they're in the movie. I mean, you you oh, can okay, wa- okay. watch the movie and and you know, there's tons of scientists that we interview mm-hmm. uh, I just put in the link in Skype that bees prefer yep. a food f- f- crops that are laced with systemics and oh, and thanks. that you know again we can draw parallel parallels with humans where arguably I mean if you I mean I'm not saying this in an arrogant way but if you were to look at me and go oh my goodness this chick is 46 years old she's been hit by a car and almost died she's reverse lupus she has no gray hairs she's looks better than a lot of 25 year olds what is she doing well i don't eat sugar mm. and i don't eat grains and i'm following a ketogenic diet and uh, i'm not saying that that's for everyone um but people are addicted to sugar i would even go as far as to say that sugar is a programmable matter that they're, they're, <laughs> it keeps people the food 
supply keeps people dumb and asleep. And when you start upgrading and eating high-vibing, organic, clean food, that there is a shift in, in consciousness that can occur if you're open to that. And that a sad standard American diet is definitely keeping people sick and like people will just say well you know i'm 45 that's why i have arthritis Mm -hmm. it's a program you are running it's a program we are programmed robots we have to delete these programs and realize how amazing we are so when someone is told your body is attacking itself that's a damaging damaging statement that when you also realize that we are running 96 percent on our subconscious thoughts so you have to delete these programs and f- realize how amazing uh, the human species are. Mm-hmm. And so I advocate for clean food. I'm not here to shame someone on what they're eating because I look at things from a functional medicine perspective. And if I were to define what functional medicine is, it's the future, mm-hmm. first and foremost. It's looking at you. So if you, Kevin came to me oh god don't look at my diet no no don't (laughs) (laughs) well if you were before we even get to the diet i would look at things that include antecedents i would which are um factors even prior to your birth like was your mom a smoker were you vaginally born were you breastfed did you grow up on antibiotics so we have to take a timeline and look at you as a whole personal as a human mm-hmm. we also have to look at your gut biome health starts in the gut so it's really personalized medicine it's 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 looking and treating the root and it's definitely not woo woo it's it's actually very intricate and specialized and uh, having investigative skills helps me to connect the dots and to see why someone is sick and food is a huge part of it, yes. Mm -hmm. So I I would look at your diet and see how you upgrade it. Just easy, for instance, do you drink coffee? Well, coffee is one of the most sprayed crops around. It's also quite susceptible to mold so we would do a little upgrade and like instead of having you'd have organic coffee you'd have maybe low acidity coffee you'd have like i drink bulletproof coffee which is tested for mycotoxins Mm -hmm. and then you can add some butter which allows for butyric acid which is a short fatty chain acid which is really helpful in in nutrition so we do little upgrades little hacks instead of drastic um measures in changing the diet Mm -hmm. but people are addicted to sugar and they're addicted to carbs and that's why most people have like at least 10 pounds extra on their on their body. As soon as you said 10 pounds extra, Nancy looked straight at me. <laughs> <laughs> More like 15, 20 pounds extra, Nancy. Come on. It, can, it can easily come off. Only because I know you're a good role model, Kevin. It's always, always a pleasure to look at your lean so, body. So going back to the bees there, uh, Miriam, um, what would you recommend for the layperson, you know, to to help the bees? I mean, I know there's a lot of things that, you know, uh, the average consumer can probably do. Would you recommend, you know, uh, for example, I saw somebody the other day say, you know, don't don't cut the dandelions off your lawn. 
It actually helps. It actually helps them because it's some of the first food they do they eat when they come out of hibernation, right? So, what what other tips like that would you give our audience to help the bees? There's so many things you can do to help the bees. One, I would educate yourself, so not to plug my movie, mm-hmm. but we took 300 hours and made it into 86 minutes, and it's a download that will help you realize how important, how ancient. And, um, yeah, crucial they are. And so our slogan in our campaign was be the change that you want to see. You can start by looking at the chemicals that you use in your garden that are not only harming the bees, but likely you as well. You can keep bees. So when I've kept bees as a beekeeper, it's not about the honey. Mm -hmm. It's about being a steward. Um, You can go to farmer's markets you, yeah, you could become a beekeeper. Yeah. Uh, you, you, could be, you could just be mindful of eating clean food and realize, you know, you like your watermelon? Well, thank the bees. You like avocados. You like, you know, everything from avocados to zucchini. Um, so I think really supporting farmers markets or growing your own food is and keeping bees are, are just some things. There's, there's a lot of... I think home use of chemicals is even greater, mm-hmm. God, than than the amount of con- conventional uh, chemicals that are put out there. Is there um, a specific type of bee you re- Because there's, there's people don't realize there's people think there's just bees, honey bees, and maybe killer bees. There's a whole bunch of variety of the species of bees. You know, yeah, like around here, they they seem to have a lot of mason bees for some reason. You know, is there a specific type of bee you'd recommend that's nice and easy to 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 help along? Or you know, get a get a couple of mason bees, for example, and try to start your own little colony. Or I think whatever talks to you. I think you know we we talk about the honeybees because they are the most selfishly the most useful to us. Mm-hmm. But na- native bees are dying. Bats are dying. Uh, butterflies are dying. Uh, so many, all the pollinators are dying. The coral reef is dying uh, because it's now reached the waters. Um, so as far as what kind of bees, yeah, mason bees are, you can you can keep mason bees. You, you can just plant bee-friendly plants and they can attract whatever is in your environment. Oftentimes I'm told, hey, you're not, you know, you need to do a shout out to the native bees that are also suffering. So, yeah, and and and, and since we're in Canada here and marijuana is legal, I was told that uh, hemp plants and marijuana plants are actually quite uh, beneficial for bees. Um, from my understanding, bees don't pollinate cannabis. They can, uh, but that that's not the primary way. Well, so there had to be a flaw with the bees, right? They don't do hemp. Oh, well, they don't do cannabis. Oh well, <laughs> they're not perfect. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yeah. Oh well, awesome. I had some interesting uh, news that happened right here on the West Coast. They actually uh, found, uh, they've confirmed the existence of uh, the Japanese uh, giant hornet. Oh goodness! I know, really? right? Yeah, exactly. It's like holy jeez, that's not good news for the honeybees. You Have you seen that video on YouTube? It's it's. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely astounding what they do. Are, are you still either beekeeping or keeping keeping up with keepers bees? of the bees? Boy, that's a long, uh, horrible sentence. You know, 
Uh, not as of late, because in reality, I've been, um, my company, I, I say, has been under siege. I also have been dealing with mold toxicity. So I've become an expert now with mold, which is very common. And I'm also very passionate as a journalist, as a free thinker, um, as someone who believes in health freedom and our right to heal without drugs and needles. Um I'm talking about what I've I've latched onto is techno fascism and freedom of speech. So I'm really trying to get on podcasts to talk about what's happening with big tech. Like for instance, I'm hosting have had the honor to host Zach Forey's in my home. He is a Google whistleblower. He has leaked 900 plus documents, uh, blacklists that show that health related sites like honeycolony.com have been deranked. Um, so to me, that that has taken that has really taken the front seat. I, I just really want to just talk about freedom of speech and health freedom. Um, the piece that I wrote and shared with you, Kevin. Yeah, yeah. I, I was reading 1984 at the time. And, you know, Google is now a pharmaceutical company. Mm -hmm. Google now no longer operates with organic searches. So back in the day, the Internet was created under the guise of creating community connection and the transference of information in a free way. And uh, now they are censoring people and censoring information and manipulating. And Big Pharma definitely has an impact and when i say it's a pharmaceutical company i'm, I'm not kidding they, they have invested in many pharmaceutical biotech companies in fact one of them the venture capital arm of google has invested in uh, vaxitech which is out of oxford and ox and this vaxitech company is creating working on a one size fits all vaccine mm -hmm. so then i realized Oh, that's why vaccine safety has become so polarized. Did you know that it's the decade of vaccines? The decade of vaccines? Yes. What does that mean? They are celebrating vaccines and they are working on a lot of uh, vaccines. And in America, we are working, they are working towards mandatory vaccines for adults that is scary because it. Uh, I'd like to believe I'm a sovereign person and I don't want any needles. You know, if you want to stick needles in you and you believe in vaccines, I'm not one to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, but right now they give, um, I don't know if it's hep B, vaccines to a baby. Mm. Uh, why? A uh, baby's not having sex. What's going on? So if you look at the schedules of, of when I grew up and the vaccines and um, currently what is happening, I'll just say that back in the day it was 23 doses of seven vaccines and now it's 69 doses of 16 vaccines, 50 of them given before the age of six. So anyway, I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole, but that's what I'm passionate of, to educate people to know there's no more organic searches. So you can try this at home, boys and girls. You can just write supplements are. Mm -hmm. And what you will see is supplements are bad. Supplements are not FDA approved. Supplements are dangerous. Since 
in the past couple of weeks, they sprinkled a couple of positive searches, mm-hmm. uh, search, but it's not organic. It, meaning if you were to go to Google Trends, you could see, and this is in my story that I shared with you, you could see the disparity. Mm-hmm. So if you, I minored in psychology and you can look this up, everything I say, you can look it up and I invite you to mm-hmm. look it up. Um, auto-suggestions is a simple, yet arguably the most dangerous mind control tool. So they are manipulating people and they are protecting an agenda that serves big pharma. Um, okay, well, like I said, the skeptic in me has to push back a bit here on on, on that too. I mean, what, what would the, what would that? I mean, f- for example, you, you're talking, uh, you talk about there's more vaccination today than there was like 50 years ago. Wouldn't that come to to just be normal in a way? Of course, we know more about uh, immune disease and disease now than we did 50 years ago. Of course, there'd be more vaccination to to why. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure. I'm sure, like the mumps and rubella and MMR hasn't really changed, but there's also we've understood more about certain diseases that we didn't understand back then. Wouldn't that make sense? I disagree. Why do I need to have formaldehyde in my vaccine? F you. I don't want formaldehyde in my body. Well, I don't want mercury in my body. Yeah. I don't want to. So again, every vaccine is different. That's not my beat or an expert. Mm-hmm. I believe in the immune system. Yeah. I believe in a strong immune system. And back in the day when someone had chicken pox, they would put all the children together in a playground so that they can get inoculated. Um, and if you are vaccinated, then why do you care? You are you're inoculated. Why do you care if I'm not vaccinated? You're supposed to have an edge. So it's this is about sovereignty. Go stick as many needles as you want in yourself. Mm-hmm. You're sovereign. I choose not to or I choose to look at it. You know how many times people have said to take the – well, the last time I had the flu vaccine uh, – the flu – sorry, and I've never taken the flu vaccine. The next – last time I had the flu, I was – very, very, very sick. Mm-hmm. Miriam, go take the Z pack. Go take the Z pack. F the Z pack. I took silver. That's a natural antibiotic. I have not taken antibiotics in eight years after growing up taking them like candy. Yes. And antibiotics ruins your gut biome and creates dysbiosis and health starts in the gut. So when you're looking at vaccines, um, because I'm not an expert on rubella or measles and such, so I can't give you a properly educated. But I do know mm-hmm. that I should be able to talk about it whatever the hell I want yeah. and that freedom of speech is where it's at and that we only learn through having uh, arguments and disagreements. So, you know, if you have an opposing thought, Kevin, that doesn't mean I unfriend you or ban you oh, or, or vote you off the island, but that's what's happening today. Anyone who poses anything on vaccine safety, Vimeo, for instance, has announced that they will take you down. MailChimp has deleted people's lists that belong to them. Mm. Um, This is not freedom of speech. This is a fascist um, characteristics. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll have to agree to disagree, but that's okay. Don't send hordes of angry bees after me, please. No, no, no. I I will definitely not. Sort of parallel to this, because you understand Google, and and I I don't, only at a most basic level. Do you find that Google 
has manipulated the searches so that you are harder to find? And, exactly. And do you know who they, Dr. Mercola is? I'm, I'm asking. I'm, I'm sorry. It yes. Almost sounds yes. Just, it's so exactly would, that. Okay. We are uh, harder to find. I used to have 500 unique visitors a month based on my excellent, well-researched, SEO-rich articles. Uh-huh. Now, unless you add mercola.com, honeycolony.com to your search you will not find us, so we are being buried. How Why, they, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to wonder, how, how did they do that? They changed their algorithms. They've had okay. many algorithms, so algorithmic changes over the years. Mm. Uh, and again, I invite you to look up Zach Voris. I hope I'm saying his name right, V-O-R-H-I-E-S. Mm-hmm. He is a Google whistleblower working as... He was a uh, software engineer for eight and a half years. Yeah. And he leaked 900 X documents. This is an insider. He's not the only insider that has stated and, and confirmed the Google algorithms. This is all over the news. Everyone's talking about freedom of speech and big tech. Nobody's talking about health freedom because health is where it's at. So that, just just to be clear, because I find this so fascinating, it opens up you know a lot of questions in my mind as well, and I thank you for that. But when you when someone has a website, and the the interest in that or the the, the hits to that tail off, can you? Can you link that directly to Google and the search, or do you have to say, well, maybe people aren't as interested in no. what I have to why, say? Why wouldn't I'm... they be interested all of a sudden? Why would we see 40% decrease? Do you know who Dr. Mercola is? No, I'm afraid we're no, not familiar no. with him. So Dr. Mercola is an actual doctor who predates effing Google. Mm-hmm. He lost 90% of his traffic. Wow. He's asking people to, as I am, to consider other search engines like Quant or Ecosia or DuckDuckGo. Um, DuckDuckGo? <laughs> I love yeah. that one. <laughs> and you can compare. And and I just shared the article. Um, in I shared a whole bunch of studies about the bees and the article again, which I've updated with Zach's input. Mm-hmm. And with parallels on how fascism works. Um, so there is no question. I mean, that there's an antitrust probe. There, there's uh, there, the government, there, these documents that Zach released, he gave to the DOJ. Mm. There's no question that they're manipulating people. Manipulating their search engine. So you will see in my article, because as a journalist, a real journalist, I have um, taken lots of time to uh, source everything. Mm -hmm. Um, You also have to take into consideration that Wikipedia is kind of um, Google's sidekick. So consider that Wikipedia does not vet their contributors. Many are anonymous. So why is it that someone like me, who's credited, an actual journalist, an actual functional medicine consultant, an actu- actual doctors, are not being seen uh, as professionals? I think if you were to read the article, it would become we, we would have more of a context to speak to to speak about. There are trigger words. I had to change my headline because I was using 
fascism in my headline. Mm-hmm. Uh, Google has has created that as a trigger word, so it cons it, it would all automatically downrank. So of course there are things you can do, and we were doing, and a lot of online sites uh, can do to regain ranking but when you are organically ranking for search terms and then all of a sudden you lose that mm-hmm. uh, we were scratching our heads like what are, what what are you doing wrong and then found that others um, like selfhacked.com I'm a big fan because I consider myself a biohacker very detailed very well searched and also has has suffered. Mm. Um, so there's now, like, if you look at my site, uh, my story, uh, there are trigger words. So I put in a graphic, a, a graph that the, the whistleblower gave me, uh, cancer cure, cure cancer. It triggers. And then these people, people like me, are dubbed... A quacks. I'm not a quack, and I, I'm. You could argue that I'm woo woo, but look at the links that I'm linking to. Yeah. Look at the studies. Uh, definitely not woo woo. Oh. Uh, very, very specific and, and very detail oriented. And anyone who thinks that toxins are not impacting them are living in a fantasy world. No, I totally agree with that, and we'll certainly take a closer look at all these links. Absolutely. In conclusion, Miriam. Uh, yes. When you look at the bees and what's happening to them, are you are you uh, optimistic about their future? Or are you pessimistic? That that is, um, you know, there, there's a lot of beautiful things. So how do you you see the cup half mm-hmm. half full or or half empty? I think that we're in the midst of a revolution, mm-hmm. um, and that it starts with us. Uh, so. I honestly don't know. It, there's there's days um, maybe I've been a little bit hardened because I've seen the effects of oppression um, occurring in my my life um, through selling, for instance, CBD. So when it comes to the bees, like I said, they're on the forefront of our consciousness better than more than ever before. But there's still it's all about to me education mm-hmm. and. There's a lot of apathy. We, people live in a rat race now where, uh, you know, you're all you're, everyone's so busy just trying to put food on the table. Um, so I, I don't know if I've answered that properly. Uh, what do you think? Oh, <laughs> that is a good question indeed. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I'm a bit of an optimist. You know, I, it always looks dark until we eventually we do we have a tendency to pull together. I also know that nature is really elastic. So uh, I, I always count that, you know, we might not be able to save ourselves, but a combination of our efforts plus nature's efforts is going to turn out all right in the end. And that's what I'm hoping for anyway. <laughs> I can't help yeah, but be think, optimistic yeah, about that. Yeah, I mean, we, we really do have a lot of obstacles with the Trump administration trying Ugh. to roll back every single regulation so that it makes it harder, you know, for nature to come through in a positive way. But um, hopefully, if things are reversed, um, we'll be able to restore some of those regulations. And, and I was almost going to say normalize, but I'm beginning to hate that word already. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, bring back the, the regulations that will, will help nature thrive yeah. the way it should. Awesome. I'm going to put another uh, link um, on systemic pesticides. Sure. Um, there's a lot of disinformation out there, and I just would encourage people... 
you know, I joke and I say the future is now, the zombies are here. And uh, <laughs> the chemicals that have been put out have been shown to rob people of IQ points. And so I really am one to encourage people to opt uh, to to use critical thinking. And I'm just letting you know that if you are using the internet, that information is now missing, that we have grown reliant on the internet and people do not realize how prevalent Google is in their lives. No, that's for sure. Um, no doubt about so, that. So, so just, you know, I advocate being your own best health advocate and asking questions and if, you know, you choose... You choose to vaccinate, for instance, that is your choice. And everyone should have uh, the freedom under a supposed democracy. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Ma'am, thank you so much for joining us today. We thank really, you, really Kevin. Thank you. Before I let you go, um, I got to have you say, hi, this is Ma'am Hanain. And I took a Hanane. left. Hanain, sorry, sorry. I'll get it right eventually. This is Ma'am Hanain, and I took a left at the valley. <laughs> this is Ma'am Hanain, and I took a left at the valley. And that was Miriam. Hey, nine. Hey, nine. Hey, nine. I'm going to get red sooner or yeah. later. Yeah. <laughs> About the vanishing of the bees. Well, that was a very interesting conversation. It went in a whole bunch of directions I wasn't really planning for. No, you know uh, what? Mm -hmm. I think when we get to the point that we name our favorite top 10 of the year, <laughs> that one is. That's going to be one of our favorite interviews of the year. Of the, that's a contender for number yes, one. Absolutely, it is. absolutely. They went into a whole bunch of subjects. Yeah. Uh, my goodness. Uh, um, what do you guys think of uh, the last audience? What do you guys think of her, her, her claims? Do you think she's uh, onto something? you think that, that she's out of. Out of uh, that she's out, out to lunch. Uh, that's really up to you to decide. I think I think that uh, the the bees really are in trouble, and uh, mm -hmm. it's a good thing that you know, I'm I don't know I'm being optimistic here when I say you know I'm I'm thinking we're gonna get out of it eventually. Uh, but uh, it's not a bad idea for the average person to start doing things to help the bees. Like we came oh, yeah. across a few points, you know. In the spring, you get dandelions on your lawn. Don't chop them off right away. You know, just wait for the bees to use them a bit. Mm -hmm. You know, before you have your manicured lawn. Yeah, treat them the way you do hummingbirds. Yeah, and, exactly. And butterflies. You can you can go to a local uh, um, greenhouse and they will sell you uh, mason bees, for example. You can buy bees at Costco. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. But they they have them in hibernation mode. And uh, like uh, mason bees, for example, because I thought it was so easy because you just go to a tree and you just drill like a, like five holes or six holes and you put them in there and then they, they wake up and they basically kind of take over. You and want a little piece of fascinating sure. trivia? Years ago, um, we met the guy who ended up building that honey um, uh, center in Langley? Yes. You know? Okay. And um, he wanted to build that center where he gave classes and, um, and you know, in, in a lot of different things having to do with beekeeping and so mm -hmm. forth. And he was looking for a couple that would dress up as bees and go out to elementary schools. Oh, please tell me you did that. We came, he, we, he never got 
the B Center finalized in time, okay. you know, for us to be able to do that. But my husband and I were scheduled to be the Mr. and Mrs. B to go out to the... So you were the Queen B, literally. I was, I was going to be the Queen B. That yes, is sir. beautiful. Nancy, you'll okay? always be the Queen B for us. Yes, for I, sure. and it was so much better than being an assassin. I just, you know, <laughs> was looking, can you imagine me in the B? Queen B by queen day, bee. assassin yeah. by night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I came and I came that close. (laughs) One of the regrets of my life. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you to for Miriam for being our guest, and thank you for listening. You can follow us on leftatvalue.com. You can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, at LETV Podcast. You can send us an email at valley at outlook.com. Give us a five-star review wherever you find us. It helps us and helps others find the show. You can become a patron, like our friend 3Thinker215, and uh, you can go to Patreon slash LETV and encourage us to do some more and get some behind-the-scenes looks of things that you might not hear on the show. Okay, coming up. And if you want to become a patron, do it now because I guarantee you that this show has the best raw footage of any that we've done and you don't want to miss it. Oh, yeah. It's worth it, you know, regardless of what you can contribute to help us, you know, um, maintain our our show every week. Mm -hmm. This is the week to do it. And would I lie to you? No, of course not. This is the week Nancy, you would never lie. The Queen Bee would never lie to us. That's right. Do it. So next week we got uh, the Free Thought Prophet with James McGaffick. We'll have all, after that, we'll have Everyone's Agnostic with Marie. We'll have a Skeptic's Guide to Conspiracy with Mike Bowler. And we'll also have Ask an Atheist with Sam Mulvey. We'll have the guys from Godless Revolution with Dan Ellis. And, of course, we'll have a Halloween special at the end of October. In November, we'll have our friend David Fitzgerald comes back. And then we'll also have Jeff Cohen from FAIR looking about media and unbiased Reporting, and we'll have the brazen atheist Aaron Lewis. And where is the other one? Where is she? I also got. Oh, I've got. I've got an atheist, a former stripper. Oh, really? A former stripper, now atheist, and she has her show, and she's going to be on the show as well. So I'm, I don't and have. She will reveal all. <laughs> Exotic dancer slash stripper. She reveal all. She might give us a few points on my routine because mine's not working very well. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, ladies. Oh, it was a, it was a really fun, Go help some fun episode. Oh, yes. Until next time. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen. I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims. That's something to be ashamed. I'm an Take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful But I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful That thousands of children are raped by priests And since they're holy men of God, they get away scot-free And the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush Don't wanna affect business, he loves money too much We know that they love the kids, but how the fuck can we protect them While they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them The system is broke down, working backwards in the only action of tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained, millions of murders by believers, and they're all in
Atheist, atheist, atheist.